Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have Heather Askew with me today. So welcome, Heather. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. I just was telling you before we started recording that I had stalked your website. And um, yeah, just really, really amazing work that you're doing in Thailand. And it's jojosthailand.org. Is that correct? Yeah, that's our website. Okay. Well, it's a little easier to, to remember than Jojo's Sanctuary because you have the two S's and then people get confused. So. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. So talk to, talk to us about what it is that, that you're doing there and your mission. Okay. So um, basically, if you look at our website, you'll see that we're named after my friend's nephew who, who died as a victim of child abuse. Um, and that happened at the same time that some of my Thai friends, Thai colleagues and I were discussing starting a family um, empowerment, family strengthening program here in Thailand. And so we thought that we wanted to, our goal is to prevent something like that from happening to another child in Thailand. So we thought we'd name it in honor of Jojo so he wouldn't be forgotten. And so we always kind of remember like what our purpose is, what we're doing here. So our goal is to educate, protect, and empower vulnerable children, families, and communities in Northern Thailand. Uh, our main focus, I would say, is working on keeping families um, together. In Thailand, there's a huge problem with people, especially poor people, who feel that they have no other recourse than to put their kids in orphanages. And a lot of people do it simply because they don't have $50 a semester to pay for the kids' school fees. Oh, they don't have $100 to buy the uniforms because everyone has to wear uniforms here. So we were like, well, let's work on um, really empowering families to deal with their kids, you know, in their own home, give them the strength and the ability to parent well, parent, do positive parenting instead of abuse and, you know, raise their kids up well so that they can stay a part of their community, a part of their family, a part of society. So... Yes, absolutely beautiful. And I've worked with kids, uh, vulnerable children in a setting here in the Cincinnati area and uh, just such a need. And, and parents, you know, they, they want so much for their children, but when they feel overwhelmed by the circumstances, um, I'm sure a lot of these parents think, oh, my kids will be better off without me, so I'll put them here um, and they'll be better taken care of, but that's not always the case. Right. Yeah. So one of the first things that we do as part of our um, our family strengthening program is called Building Family Dreams. So basically, the first thing that we do is we talk about why it's important for a kid to be in a family. Most parents think, well, education is the most important thing for them, but they don't realize that being in an orphanage and you're seeing your parents maybe once a month, maybe over summer break, maybe not at all. Um, and so then they're losing out on, you know, family relationship. Most kids are coming from tribal communities. So they're, they're losing their language. They're losing their culture. And then what happens when they turn 18, they go back to their village and they're like, I don't have any relationships here. And they don't know how to function in society. So we really try and focus on like the importance of attachment, the importance of family and culture and language. And say like, you know, these are all valuable things that you can give your kids that no one else can. Like anyone can give them an education, but you're the only ones who can give them those important things that they need for success in life. Yeah. Beautiful. And uh, you just took the words out of my mouth about the attachment part of it and what a big, huge part that is of, um, you know, building a child. Well, and I'm sure you're familiar with ACEs, you know, adverse childhood experiences. And 
the resilience right. part of it um, and just how that empowers these children as they grow Absolutely. and to be able to offer those yeah. that to them. And I found you through the ACES Connection website. Um, actually, I was, we, we do, um, apart from building family dreams, we also do trainings for people who work with children. And so we were asked to come and do some training for people who are going to work in a new um, preschool center. And so I asked online on Facebook, anybody have recommendations for, you know, anything I can give to someone said ACES Connection. I was like, what's that? Right. And then I was reading about it and I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And on there, I found this great um, one, two, three toolkit that was developed by people, by nurses in Spokane. And I downloaded that and I was like, this is so brilliant. So I've been using that since then. So I've developed several trainings that, you know, here in Thailand, nobody talks about this kind of stuff. And so right. one of the trainings I did um, with both the preschool and then again, we did, we were doing uh, positive parenting and, and positive reinforcement with um, a safe home that works with kids who've been victims of trafficking. So for the last session there, I was like, all right, you guys all take this ACEs test. Because the reality is most people who work in children's homes grew up in children's homes, grew up in orphanages oh. themselves, separated yeah. from their families. So they don't have the tools. <laughs> so, you know, I had them take this ACEs test and everyone was like, oh, I have so many ACEs. I was like, right. okay, so you guys want the answer to how do I deal with behavior problems in teenagers? And I was like, well, here's the thing. You're dealing with so much trauma and so much history, and you don't even know the half of what these kids have been through, so you need to start repairing the ACEs before you can even address the behavior, right? Right. So, yeah, so that was really a cool opportunity to, to really speak into the lives of Thai people who are working with Thai kids and hopefully try to start, you know, changing the, the culture and society a little bit. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful what happens when you do, you know, shine that light. Uh, I call it shining the light of hope because when it comes, when the eyes are open to it, suddenly you can't unsee it anymore. And then it becomes, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And yeah, I understand. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my sister. You know, my sister and I grew up in the same household. She certainly dealt with uh, her, the abuse she received, physical abuse was harsher than what I did because she was much more bullheaded where I was the one that stepped back into the shadows and was quiet. But I, I brought up ACEs. Now here's my sister and I've been, you know, doing this podcast and doing this work. And she said, what, what is that exactly? It's <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, have, you ne have we never talked about this? This was just two days ago. And so I went over the ACEs questions with her and said now since you know they've added things like racism and bullying and you know there's other factors be beyond these initial 10 questions but the first 10 are just so powerful and she said I score a 9 out of 10 what does that mean and I said I know <laughs> and so then we went over the resilience part of it but yeah once she she just felt so empowered after just knowing this and yeah. um, I, I just, I want to scream it from the rooftops for people to understand the impact of childhood trauma. And so mm -hmm. one, I thank you for what you're doing uh, to help these families and these children because it's just, it's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. One of the reasons that we wanted to focus, um, that like I personally wanted to focus on 
the family is because when I first moved to Thailand, I'd been here almost nine years. When I first moved to Thailand, I was working at an after school program and we did um, just after school activities, English, music, that sort of stuff for kids who grew up in abject poverty, lived in the slums in the red light district. You know, some of them have been trafficked, most have been abused. And I was just like, just kept seeing the same issues over and over, right? And I didn't understand ACEs at the time. And then I, I worked there for a few years, then I moved on and I was um, kind of the fill-in social worker uh, for a program called Hug Project, H-U-G, Hug. And they work with children who've been victims of trafficking or sexual abuse. And so I was the case manager, basically. And I had to track all their cases and the court cases and counseling and all that stuff. And I was like, every single one of these kids has the same thing in common, family breakdown. Most of them grew up in orphanages separated from their family. The ones who didn't get fully separated were, you know, shipped off to relatives, grandparents, you know, almost none of them actually grew up with a stable home life. And I was like, okay, if we're really going to try and prevent human trafficking on a larger scale, you kind of have to start with the root cause, which is like the family, right? And so that was what sort of pushed us in the beginning to even start working with the families and how do you build resilience and how do you, you know, help kids deal with the daily traumas of life and stuff like that. And especially growing up in poverty where there's, you know, obviously a lot more opportunity and incidents of drug and alcohol abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all right. that kind of stuff. Right. right. So, exactly. yeah, yes. that was kind of yeah. So hard. how, how did you end up doing what you're doing? Um, well, so when I was working at the after school program, well, first I'm from Los Angeles, uh, originally Washington state, but I lived in, in Los Angeles for 10 years before I moved here. And, uh, I was going to a church there and the pastor was like, Hey, we're going to go on a trip to Thailand and work with this after school program. I was like, okay, cool. Sure. <laughs> Never thought about Thailand before. Right. Okay. For two weeks and worked with the, the program called, it's called tossing. It means, uh, it's kind of a long translation. It means the first rays of sunlight that break the darkness of morning. So I was like, oh, that's such a great name. And we worked with these kids. And I was just like, oh, man, I can't just go back to America and, like, not do anything. So I was working in film at the time. And I was like, it's freelance. Like, no one's going to miss me if I go. So I planned to come for a year. And then six weeks after I moved here, I got uh, one of the kids at the program was orphaned. And she was too old for the orphanage. They wouldn't, they don't take kids over the age of 13 and no family, no relatives, no nothing. And I was like, okay, 14 year old girl on her own. What's happening? Right. So we tried so long, two whole months. She stayed with a neighbor and we tried and tried and tried and tried to find a local family to take her or like a Thai, you know, orphanage or something. And in the end, that just wasn't anything. So I ended up, becoming a foster parent. <laughs> so I was like, guess I'm learning Thai and guess I'm not leaving. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of a crazy sort of situation. Um, yeah. So now I have, so now she's in college, which is great. Um, yeah. yeah. She's going to business. She's going to school for business. And then since, uh, since her, I've had two other um, Thai foster teenagers, which as most people will tell you is, is probably, in my opinion, it's harder than taking care of babies. <laughs> At least babies. Like you were like, okay, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're, you're need your diaper change. Like there's pretty much a limited number of problems that could be with teenagers. Like there's no, you have no oh idea. My God. I have said that for so long. I used to say my, my boys, my older ones are 26 and 23. 
and uh -huh. wonderful, wonderful man. And then I have a 13 year old now who's she's just a great kid, but Oh, I would rather have eight two year olds that are like taking care of eight two year olds at one time than one teenager at certain points yeah. because yeah, it's exactly. a lot. <laughs> if a two year old's having a meltdown, you can just sort of step back and like wait for it to like blow over. Right. Right. <laughs> you have like a teen year old and you're like, okay, so is the silent treatment like what's happening? Right. <laughs> like, you're going for how long? Do I talk to you? Do I not talk to you? Yes. Yeah. Is, is it me? Is it was it a friend? Like Come on, let's, let's talk and nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's beautiful and teared me up. I mean, just it's amazing how the universe works and how we end up where we're, we're yeah. meant to be. And um, yeah. It's yeah. so funny because I was like about to start classes in America to do foster parenting. And then I came for two weeks and I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm not doing foster parenting. I'm moving to Thailand. And then like, oh, okay, I'm doing foster parenting. Here. <laughs> I am doing it. You just needed me here, God. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so I learned Thai really quickly too, because, you know, 14-year-olds do not speak English here. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you had, you, you told me you had some other points that you wanted to address before we started. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so what are some so, of the other things you'd like to talk about? Um, I've, you know, been learning a lot in about orphanages versus family care. Now, um, we've joined, um, part of this new group in Thailand called, uh, Safe Families Around Thailand, SFAT. And it's groups of people who are trying to keep kids in a family situation, whether that means biological family, a relative, or a foster family, if they, if they're either orphaned or it's an abusive situation. And, um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a struggle because, you know, uh, I just re we just learned that in the last 10 years in Thailand, Laos, Bali, this area, Southeast Asia, there's been a 500% increase in orphanages, but a decrease in orphans. And so most people in the West are like, oh, well, there's just so many orphans, like you have to have orphanages and you have to you know, provide orphanages. But really what's actually happening is that, you know, and Lumos has done great work in this, JK Rowling's organization. Uh, worldwide, 80% of kids who live in orphanages actually have living family that could take care of them with just a little support, you know? And so a lot of, there's just a lot of misconceptions about orphanages and that like that it's cheaper to have a kid in an orphanage. Actually, it's eight times more expensive than just buying their family enough rice and vegetables to last for a month. Right? right or helping them start a family small family business so or things like that and people think well it's safer for kids to be in orphanages than in like a foster family with it they don't know well actually you're five times more likely to be sexually abused in an orphanage than you are in a foster family and it's just like on and on right so in thailand they just did a study about just like the last year a phd candidate from bath came to um, his name is Justin. He came into the study here, interviewed all kinds of people, private orphanages, public orphanages, the government, social workers, people who grew up in orphanages, people who grew up in foster care, et cetera. And basically found out in Thailand, almost 95% of the kids in orphanages are actually have family. And the, the orphanages that they're living in, less than 50% of orphanages in Thailand are registered with the government. So there's like wow. a so this is why we're like, oh man, we really need to like get the word out about how important it is to support 
organizations working with families, like Care for Children is a really big one. They work with governments to create foster care um, systems in the country. Ours, you know, we're working on a really small, you know, scale, just like one village at a time, basically. Um, then like One Sky Foundation in, in Thailand, they had an orphanage, they had tons of kids. And suddenly, I don't know whose idea it was, but they started interviewing the kids and saying, would you rather be here where you're getting three meals a day and going to school and having a nice fancy place to live? Or would you rather be with your parents? And like almost every single kid said, I want to be with my parents, but they can't afford to feed me. And they were like, okay, this is crazy. So now they don't have an orphanage anymore. They have all the kids at home and they go do social work visits and they support each family. So it's like, it is possible to do it. And so, yeah, so that's one thing I just wanted to like put out there and say, for people who want to get know, you know, how can they get involved? Well, obviously not everyone can move to Thailand. Not everyone has, you know, finances to support, you know, us or other organizations. But what you can do is make people aware of, you know, what's really happening in orphanages. And if you attend a church or if you know somebody who's planning an orphanage visit, to start asking questions about like, okay, what's the situation at this orphanage? Like how many What's the child to adult ratio, right? I mean, in Thailand, we have laws it's supposed to be four adults to one child, just like in the U.S. Almost no orphanages follow that. Right. Um, you know, what's like how many of the kids in this orphanage are true orphans and who is it that's determining which kids can come in? There's lots of places that say, oh, well, we're a safe house for kids who've been trafficked. But you go there and like maybe 20 percent have been trafficked, but 80 percent are just kids who came from the village because their parents couldn't pay their school fees. So it's like you need to be asking those questions like who is the person in charge of make, letting the kids come in who is the person actively trying to do reunification with their parents you know like and just trying to find out more information about the orphanage instead of just being like oh they're doing good work let's give them money because <laughs> right. in the long run it's not really good for the kids right so lots of people are like well there are good orphanages I'm like well almost all orphanages are causing attachment disorders so <laughs> no matter how good your staff is, you're not a parent. You know, it's not the same as a kid growing up in a, in a family with a grandparent or an uncle or aunt or, you know, anything like that. So I would just encourage people, anybody who's watching this, that if you do participate in a church or any other group that does regular visits to orphanages, just to start asking questions of, of them and just try to figure out like, is this something that we could do? There's a, there's a great online thing that you can do called faith to action initiative. And they were a church. They started organ, they started orphanages all over Central America. And one day woke up and were like, why are we not supporting these kids to be with their families? So now they totally transitioned and they've created this whole program for churches who have orphanages on how step one through step eight, step A through Z, how you go from having a hundred kids in an orphanage to having a hundred kids in a family. And like, what do you do with the staff and what do you do with the community and what do you do to prepare the kids to go home and all that stuff. So there are resources out there that if people try to, you know, get, just be informed, then we really can make it a reality of like every kid being, you know, in a family instead of in an orphanage. Right. Right. And oh gosh, it just makes my heart happy because I think so, 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 so many of these parents, they love their kids so much and they want their kids with them, but they either are dealing with their own trauma history or poverty or whatever it is that prevents it from happening. And um, yeah, just 
powerful, powerful stuff to be able to have these kids stay with their families. So like for Building Family Dreams, for our project, we started in a village that's a Lahu community. It's a tribal um, group in Southeast Asia. They live in a lot of countries, but they're all the same tribal group. Um, so we started going and when we first went to this village to start, because they were like, oh, can you come do child protection trainings with our kids? We we're like, yeah, totally. We can do teach them about children's human rights, internet safety, because their parents are like, I don't know what these kids are doing on the, on the phone, but they're on the phone all the time, right? <laughs> they don't know about, you know, there's so much traffic on the internet that happens now. So we're doing all these trainings with them, and we're like, you know, there's, there's not really that many kids in this village. It was pretty quiet, and like, we just saw like a lot of parent, people who didn't have their kids around, and we were like, do you just not have kids in this village? They were like, no, they're all in the orphanage because A, we can't afford the school fees or B, we don't speak Thai, so we can't help them with their homework. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> so I was like, A, we will cover the school fees and B, the schools have after-school programs that help the kids with their homework and it's like $10 a semester. So we were like, okay, there's, these are solvable problems. There's no reason. And so when we started the program, uh, eight of the 16 kids who we, we only do with eight families. So we had 16 kids. So eight of the 16 kids were either about to be shipped after the orphanage or currently living in an orphanage. And now we did the program for 18 months and now all but one kid is back with their family. And we did, we were able to, we got a really great uh, donation from Jojo's uncle's uh, supporting church in the Netherlands. And that enabled us to help every family start a little micro business. So these, these are like rural people, right? So four of them were like, listen, I just want to like raise some pigs. Like, then I'm happy. I can raise some pigs. I can sell them for extra money. Like, then I'm good. And they already know how to do it because they grew up on a farm. Right. So, okay. So we took them to the pig lot. <laughs> bought some baby pigs and now 18 months later you know they're like they started with two pigs we bought them for like $60 each they sold them for $200 each and then they got four pigs and then they were able to sell those for even more and so now they're like okay so now our next plan is we're gonna get a sow and then we're gonna breed her then we'll have we can just breed the sow and then we can have baby pigs and then we can sell all of them and it'll like help them get a little bit better, a little bit better. They have the money to pay for their kids' school fees now. They have money to buy birthday presents for their kids. Like, they're so happy. And it started out when we went to visit, they were, like, just crying all the time and sad. They missed their kids. The kids were crying. They want to come home. Now, like, everyone's so happy. And, yeah, and then we have other women who we got sewing machines, right? They're like, I just want to be able to, like, you know, make some bags and sell them at Christmas maybe or whatever. And so we bought sewing machines for all these women. And man, I tell you, one of these ladies, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go because I'm not a seamstress. I don't know anything about this. But one of these ladies went to, we sent them to a training. She comes back, she starts making like all these amazing bags, teaching the other women in the village to make the bags. She's like, hey, do you think, what do you think of this bag? What do you think? I was like, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> America and sell it I was like I can pay you like what you would make here like so normally they would sell them in Thailand for maybe like three like ten dollars for a bag but we're talking like a big duffel bag with lots of pockets so I was like I can sell that in America for more you can get more money than you would make here and we can get money to put back into the family program to help the next round of families right, right. so 
it's like everybody wins that helps them grow in confidence so she's like teaching other ladies in the village she's like got like keeping track of like who's making what okay these people this person's making baby stretchy tie pants this person's making bags this person's making dresses this person's making keychains and so then i'm like okay i'm gonna go to america i want this 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 like she can order it okay i'll take you i take them to the to the market we buy all the supplies i'm like all right you guys don't have to pay anything for the supplies i'm putting money into the supplies and then like you're getting paid for your work and it's like it's a great opportunity it doesn't replace their day job but it's enough extra that it keeps them going and they can like put money in savings and pay for for things and stuff like that so it's been really cool to see this community really kind of come back from the dead sort of uh like one of the dads was like you know before you guys came we really were kind of a hopeless village we just thought this is it we just won't get to know our kids we we can't really we can't go to school ourselves we don't know if we can have the money to pay for our kids to go to school but the best chance they have is to be in the orphanage to go to school so they can finish high school at least he's like now it's like man we've so so happy and like our kids are back we feel confident that we can raise them and that we are the best person for them we feel confident that they'll have a good future that they'll finish school so it's really it's been like the greatest joy for me to see this and then like the coolest thing happened last week one of my friends who lives in that village she was actually the person to introduce us to the law group she said oh my gosh we have community meetings like every month or two and somebody came up to me at the last community meeting and they said hey are you friends with those people that did that that family program in the lahu village she's like yeah they were like man before we never saw people from the lahu community at our community meetings they would never come maybe they would come late stay in the back not contribute they're like since they started that program these people like two or three people are coming to every meeting they're participating they're putting their ideas in they're like offering you know to be part of the community planning events like all this stuff they're like this is amazing like how what did they do like now all these like they're part of our larger community it's fantastic so i was like whoa <laughs> unexpected side effect <laughs> yes oh my so. gosh you're making my heart smile I, that, it's healing in action i mean it right? doesn't get any better than this right yeah oh so, wow yeah yeah and the other things that, that we were able to do, like with building family dreams is it's an 18 month program, right? So once a month we meet as a big group and we alternate between like trainings. We'll do like a training on finance or healthy eating. So we taught them, we had a guy who's a financial guy come and speak, teach them in Thai how to make a budget. They were like, you can keep track of the money you spend every day and actually see where it goes. Like mind blowing for them. I was like, I never thought that making a budget would be a new concept totally new concept. They were so excited and so useful. Right. Uh And then also alternate with like on our months that we don't have trainings, we do family outings. So Chiang Mai is beautiful. There's so much free stuff to do here. And there's so many organizations that will give you free trips. So we were like, well, let's, um, let's take a train ride to up to the national park. That's like an hour away. And everyone's like, a train we've never been on a train oh. were so it was like round trip it was like 25 cents a person i was like and there everyone was overjoyed they're like this is the coolest thing we've ever done like we didn't run this train and now we're like hiking in the woods it was like i was like it's so easy and then you have families like spending time together they're like we never spent time together the kids would be on their phones or watching tv we would be working 
you know, they would just eat snacks. We never ate together. Now we're doing trips together. We're talking about each other's day. We're spending time together at home. So yeah, it's been really cool to see this kind of transformation. So oh, again, yeah. I'm just, I'm just sitting here like my face for those who are just doing <laughs> audio. I can't get the smile off my face because wow, that's just so powerful and so beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really have to give props to my team too, like my Thai team, because I can speak Thai, but like, I'm not super fluent. Like I don't have, I can have a conversation, but I can't tr teach you how to make a budget, right? Mm -hmm. But my, I think my teammates, Butsuba and Jay are their names, you'll see their pictures on, online, but they're so awesome and they have so many great ideas and implement so many things. And if I'm like, hey, what if we do this? I don't know how, how to do it. And they're like, the next day, they're like, oh, we can do this and this. And then it's like, <laughs> I'm like what so it's really cool to have like such a great team because I definitely could not do it by myself like the only reason I'm like the person doing interviews is because they don't speak English <laughs> now do they is English growing in, in or is it just not um... well <clears throat> sorry I'm still getting a cold mm -hmm. um they speak they teach English in schools but if you're in a rural school, you get it less often. They have like, they get an hour a week. If you're in the city school, you're getting an hour a day. Um, and of course, if you're in the city, you're interacting with tourists more. So you have an opportunity to practice it more. Right. Because people in the rural areas don't as much. Um, but I think it is growing in Thailand. There's a lot of English learning programs here um and i still teach i volunteer still at the hug project after school program for kids from burma um so i teach english there once a week uh for an hour it's like i don't know that they're learning anything but they're having fun doing it so. right, right. yeah i think it is growing and people do understand the importance of it especially since other Southeast Asia countries um, are getting more fluent in English and Thailand is not so much. They're putting more money into the English programs here. So I think in the future, definitely more people will speak it um, for work and in life. So. Right. Okay. So any myths or facts that you want to clarify for people? In their um, kind of, I think I kind of addressed them already about the orphanages. Um, yeah, I think that was it. Like what I mentioned, you know, that more there more orphanages means more orphans. It actually doesn't. <laughs> it just means more money going into orphanages. So people are like, let's make an orphanage. We can make money off of it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So fun in in um in Southeast Asia, there's been a rise in kids getting trafficked into orphanages, uh, because it makes money for their founders. So that's uh. another reason. I'm like, it's really important to be asking lots of questions and like knowing that there's paper trails for where the kids came from and stuff like that, because there is definitely a rise in, in trafficking. I think people don't usually think about that. So that makes sense. Yeah. So you're saying like filling the beds. So for mm -hmm. funding. Yeah. Okay. You get, you know, more yeah. money per kid, but how much of that money actually goes to the kid is like probably pretty minuscule. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you one of my favorite questions only because and it's so just a left turn here, but if you could meet anyone dead or alive to help you with your continued journey, either professionally, personally, or both, who would it be? I'm laughing because I'm prepared for this because I like listened to your other podcast. I was like, she's going to ask me this question. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I would say, like, for professionally, I would say J.K. Rowling. And you would think because of Harry Potter, but not because of that, although I do love Harry Potter. Yeah. But because he started Lumos, and their goal is to get kids out of orphanages and back into their families. And I think they've done so much good work with Lumos, and I'm just like, oh, man, if I could have, like, a hour-long conversation with her and get advice on, like, how do we do what you've done here in Thailand, and how do we make it grow? Like, I think that would be really awesome for and beneficial. And also, for personal, um, my favorite podcast to listen to is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. I don't know if you know who he is, but when I, I used to work in Hollywood, and I, like, worked for a day with him. And I just think... <laughs> That podcast is so insightful. He has so many interesting people on and like they talk to lots of doctors and lots of psychologists, just like such an interesting wide array of people. And I'm like, it would be so fun to just like have like sit down for an hour and talk to Dax and like hear like his perspectives on all these different things. So that's like my personal one. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun podcast and you're right. Just such an array of, of guests and conversations and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. All right. So anything else that you would like to address before we part? Um, I think that's it. Just I would, you know, encourage people to learn more about family strengthening programs in areas that you um, know of and areas that you've been, things like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody's interested in learning more about our programs or if they want to like sponsor a family or something, then they can go to our website or they can email me, um, which is you know, easy email, heather at jojosthailand.org. So. Yeah. All right. And that was my, my, my last question was how do people get a hold of you and uh, links? Are you on Facebook, Instagram, any social media? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so our Facebook is just Jojo's Sanctuary. Uh, and then we're on Instagram and Twitter at Jojo's Thailand, which is also our website, jojosthailand.org. Uh, and yeah, you can, if you on the website, you can email us too. There's a link to, to email on there as well. We do a newsletter also, um, every other month that updates about all the different activities we've been doing. So if you go to the website, you can, um, get on the newsletter list as well. Wonderful. All right. Well, it has been just heartwarming conversation. And again, you've made my heart smile and, um, thank you for everything you're doing. Just beautiful. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourselves. Thanks. Bye-bye.